You're listening to. Welcome back to another episode of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yu. And we are here to discuss our January 2019 book club pick, the first book club pick of the new year, Rainbirds by Clarissa Gonawan. Gonawan. Someone please tell us how to pronounce her last name <laughs> on, on Twitter or in our Goodreads forums. Yeah. I'm going phonetically because I think that's how Japanese names go. <laughs> She's not Japanese. She's not? Oh, you didn't know. <laughs> oh. Indonesian born. I'm reading the book jacket now. <laughs> Indonesian born Singaporean writer. That is something I do want to talk about later in, in this episode uh-huh. about how, like, someone who is not Japanese wrote a book that's set in Japan with Japanese characters uh-huh. and, like, how, uh, how close does she get to being accurate? on cultural stuff i wonder yeah i do wonder because i've I've heard i've heard mixed opinions about it really yes i'm interested to hear more about what you read about that (laughs) um i kind of uh lurked in the uh goodreads reviews and also like i checked other uh book bloggers reviews on it and it's it's been interesting yeah it's interesting because not only is it set entirely in japan but it's also set in the 90s yeah 1994 so pre- iPhone, so it was like you couldn't Google anything. It's like pre-cell phone, like almost. Like yeah. not everybody had cell phones back right. then. So that's interesting yeah, as well. Because I remember in the 2000s, Japan cell phone technology was way advanced, more advanced than ours. They were to play the best games on there. That I was very jealous. Yeah. Because I all had a snake on mine. I remember uh, like when I visited my uh, cousin in Korea, like back in the early 2000s, they had smartphones already. <laughs> yeah. They had... They had phones without keyboards and i was really i was really fascinated i was like wait what is that and and they're like oh it's a, it's a cell phone and i'm like but it doesn't like it doesn't fold up there's no keys and you just you just scanned your 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 thing onto the bus meaning that your bus pass is already on your phone and it was really amazing to me it wow. just seemed like it just seemed like magic it was the future it was the future in the 2000s i think we were still stuck with like not even candy bar phones. Like it was no. pre candy bar phone. It was. It was. We were like the Amish country of technology. We still use pay phones at school. I. I it used was the, a long time ago. I used the pay phone <laughs> at at school um, because my parents would always forget to pick me up from mm. like after school activities. So I would have to like go across the street and like use the pay phone because the school <laughs> wouldn't let me use their office phone. Uh, and it was. It, it was. I'm so glad that I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Neither did the kids now. They just yeah. call. They just pull up their iPhone. Probably I, fives. I didn't get my first cell phone until uh, like sophomore year, freshman year of of high school. Okay, I didn't get my first one until college. So yeah, but whatever. you and I, you and I have like an age gap. It's probably <laughs> it's probably like around the same year. Probably when, yeah, probably two thousand two. Yeah, ish, ish, ish. <laughs> but yeah, we're here to discuss Rainbirds. Um, I as guess always, we should start with yeah. Yeah, as always, we'll start with the book jacket description. Ren Ishida has nearly completed his graduate degree at Keio University when he receives news of his sister's violent death. Keiko was stabbed one rainy night on her way home, and there are no leads. Ren heads to Akikawa to conclude his sister's affairs, failing to understand why she chose to turn her back on the family in Tokyo for this desolate place years ago. But then Ren is offered Keiko's newly vacant teaching position at a prestigious local cram school and her bizarre former arrangement of free lodging at a wealthy politician's mansion in exchange for reading to the man's ailing wife. He accepts both, abandoning Tokyo and his crumbling relationship there in order to better understand his sister's life and what took place the night of her death. As Ren comes to know the eccentric local figures, from the enigmatic politician who's boarding him to his fellow teachers and a rebellious, captivating young female student, he delves into his shared childhood with Keiko and what followed. Haunted in his dream by a young girl who was desperately trying to tell him something, Ren realizes that Keiko Ishida kept many secrets, even from him. So I remember when we discussed this as a book deal, like a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah it, yeah. it was a couple years ago. Um, and I did briefly talk about it when I first finished the book, uh-huh. um, which was, I think, middle of last year. 
Um, and I remember saying that I really liked this book and uh, it was very relaxing for me. And um, unfortunately, I didn't have the chance to reread it this time around, but I will be going off of my gut <laughs> feelings back then. Thankfully, I wrote down some things uh, when I was reading it the first time. Yeah, I mean, I remember you, um, I don't know if you're gushing, but you were saying you really enjoyed this book and that I should read it. Yeah. And then you found a reason for me to read it. Yeah. This month. So <laughs> um, overall, I, I really enjoyed the book. And maybe it's because I just got back from Sundance. I, I was imagining the scenes while I was reading of this book as kind of like a very like slow paced indie movie. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. Um, yeah, I can it see it kind of had that feel. Um, it was, had a very like I think like you said, slice of life, day to day type of feel to it, where it's just it's the main character Ren working through his working his through grief, his pretty grief, much, right? Yeah. Um, I I remember saying when I first talked about this book that it reminded me of Persona 4. (laughs) Because in Persona 4, it's pretty much like a slice of life game. But then you have like this, uh, you have like grisly murders happening in town. But but like, it's like most of the time you're you're just kind of like going about your life. Yeah, it's like a snapshot of small town life in Japan. But also Ren is like this like amateur detective trying to like... if he was really an amateur detective i just felt felt like he wasn't even see that's the thing like i don't think he was really trying and like putting that much effort into finding (laughs) his sister's murderer it just happens like he would think about it sometimes but he didn't like actively look for evidence but he found clues he found followed up on them yeah but it wasn't like he was actively looking for clues i think he was kind of i mean that's the reason why he was there right to like kind of maybe not clues to his sister's murder um, but clues to who his sister was and why she was here. Yeah. Um, right? Actually, I have a quote for, um, that sums that up. It's, if I trace the paths my sister had taken in life, maybe I would finally understand the things she had never said. Mm. So, yeah. Um, I guess when I first read it, I thought it was going to be like, uh, I, I <laughs> like it is noir. I would say that this book is noir, but um, I, I expected it to be like, the town, like, it's sleepy, it's beautiful, it's slow-paced, but I also expected it to be, like, way creepier. Like, than, sinister? Like, like, there would be, like, a sinister nature to it. And mm. also, like, I I was very suspicious in the very beginning where, um, like, everything was kind of, like, f- like, he was falling into uh, the puzzle of the town, like, so seamlessly. Like, he, uh-huh. like, he got a job right away. <laughs> he found, like, an optimal, like living situation where like he doesn't have to pay rent right so it's just like wow like things are just kind of like falling into place so easily so there should be like this like wary like feeling of just like why why is it so easy right. what is going on what is this town hiding kind of like a whole like village, village in hot fuzz situation like everything's yeah. a little too oh man hot fuzz is here. one of my favorite movies <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think i didn't really get as much like the sinisterness but i did get that this was a, a town with secrets and and like clarissa's prose is like it's spare mm-hmm. but it's like so lush with this with with the descriptions like you get the um the, the thing that i love most about this book was like the atmosphere that she created of, mm-hmm. of the town it's just like yeah i can like totally picture um like Ren's like jog <laughs> jogging route to like the cram school. Yeah. Uh, like I can picture the house that uh, he was staying in. I like there was just like so many things where like details like that would uh, stick out to me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like this book was really cinematic in its descriptions, and yeah. that's why that's why both of us are saying like, oh, it would be a really good indie movie. Yeah, or like a pilot. I feel like so when I mentioned about Ren being like an amateur detective, maybe detective wasn't the right word, but he was like kind of like a TBS show where he became a guy who came in and like solved people's problems for them. And maybe that was him working through his his grief because a, a big part of this book is him feeling responsible for not being there for his sister. Right mm-hmm. after discovering all these things that she had been going through, including some medical stuff, some personal stuff, um, he felt really guilty that to him it seemed like she was fine. Right, he didn't like really take the time. So I think that that's what drove him to like try to solve all these little smaller problems with like his with his uh, politician landlord and with you know the family of this uh, <laughs> this 
high school girl that he's like kind of having a relationship with um i really did like the premise though the premise mm. of like um you have you have a sibling and you think you know everything about that sibling. I mean, Ren talks to his sister every week on the phone. Yeah. And, like, you think that you're super close. And then they're taken away from you in, like, a very grisly manner. And and then you find out that you didn't really know them at all. And that they had all these secrets. And, um, and I really like the idea that Ren you know, kind of occupied the spaces that his sister yeah. was in. Like he took over her job um, as a cram school English teacher and um, he lived in the same house that she was in. So like for him, it was really like understanding like her day-to-day life and maybe figuring out like what kind of feelings she had while she was still alive. And yeah. um, it's really interesting how like Ren decided to go to the same college as his sister and major in the same uh in major in english just like her well he had a sister complex right? he did have a sister complex <laughs> um that the book calls out but also i think keiko was the closest thing he had to a parent too right yeah she was the yeah. main caretaker um yeah like i also really liked how the family like the family secrets between Ren and Keiko was like slowly unraveling. It's yeah. just like, oh, okay, they're really close because their parents had a lot of issues and there was a lot of um there was a lot of misdirected anger and uh, yeah. resentment towards Keiko from their mother and mm-hmm. like you find out why that is the case. And yeah. honestly, like I really like character studies. Like I love books that like just go deep into like the character's history and like what happened to them like what shaped them to the person that they are now yeah and i mean jumping ahead to the conclusion i i really like the fact that like the conclusion that ren comes to is that he might have not known all these issues that her his sister was dealing with but ultimately she was still the same person he knew like all of her personal issues like her the life she lived came from this person that he actually like this would have been like it. It made sense to him why she had th- these problems to deal with, but didn't change the f- the, her fundamental self as the person that he knew. Yeah, right. Um, it's been such a long time since I finished this book, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what actually? No, I'm just going to ask you. Like, <laughs> what what happened to uh, the ashes of his sister? Did he? Um, yeah, they, he took um, him and Honda, his sister's ex. Co- co-worker slash teacher um co-worker slash boyfriend well we'll get over we'll, we'll get to it later <laughs> um they drive up to the mountain by the italian restaurant that oh, okay. he was supposed to go to with his sister all right um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cause um and he um we'll get this but he mixed it with the ashes of her um miscarried baby yeah yeah um yeah like uh like, I, I asked that because I remember there being two ways that Ren said goodbye to his sister. Mm-hmm. And you telling me that, like, he, like, you know, he got the ashes of his sister and, like, went to the mountaintop. That was saying goodbye to, like, the person he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when he's at the Italian restaurant and he's having this imaginary conversation with, uh, with his sister, I feel like that was more of a goodbye to the idealized version of his sister, like the mm. sister that he thought he knew. Right. And I really, I really like that. I really like the just juxtaposition of it. Um, and yeah, like I, like I remember when um, Ren comes into Akakawa, like for the first time mm. and he's talking to the police officers and the police officer uh, says that it's likely that she had like, an affair or some kind of relationship with a man. And that was the reason why she got uh, so like brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ren says, well, that can't be right. Like she's never said anything about having a boyfriend or being in a relationship. And we talk every week. There's no way. <laughs> and uh, the police officer says, well, we found like birth control in her, in her purse. We found a, uh, like rope in her purse as well and she has like these rope marks on her wrist so yeah she's engaging in some some kind of like bondage kinky stuff yeah some kinky stuff and like that 
I think that's like the first moment where Ren is like, oh, so she hasn't been saying all the things that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And like he realizes that like in their phone conversations, like she's always asking about him mm-hmm. and he never like he never asks her <laughs> like, how are you doing? Like what's going on in your life? Yeah. I mean, he comes off as a guy who was super self-centered like his entire oh, yeah. life. Like he he's, was, he's the baby brother, right? He's the baby brother. Yeah. <laughs> he's super self-centered. And quite honestly, I did not like Ren as like a person. He is kind of a... Like he has like... Yeah. Like he boasts about how... Not boasts, but he says like, oh, like I've slept with so many women and like... He, he keeps forgetting them too. He keeps forgetting them. His, his disregard for women mm. was kind of offensive but he was that kind of, he was that kind of guy he was the yeah. guy who would like sleep with random women and you know kind of dump them because they weren't like they didn't match his standards and his standards was his sister <laughs> yeah and you know he he hung out with you know other you know guys who did the same thing like they would they would go on play pickup games, right? Yeah. Like he he was that guy. Yeah, he was that guy. And I'm like, hmm, I don't I why? But I don't need to like a character to, you know, yeah. like the book. <laughs> I liked his story. I liked his arc. I liked his growth. I didn't like him as a person. <laughs> but I also feel like he like started coming to terms with his own like life too as he was there. Yeah. Right. And another theme in this book is basically all the things that are left unsaid, right? Every single character in the story that he yeah. runs into has like something they're not saying. Something yeah, they're like every single yeah. like person has like a family secret, which yeah. is which was like really interesting to me because everything, like I think Clarissa did a really good job with like having parallels. Yeah, with like Ren and his sister, and then like uh, um, Haruna, who who is like the politician's wife, yeah. and how like she was. Um, with her relationship with her sister. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a lot of parallels, and I think she did a really good yeah. job with them. And I think that's what... I go back to, like, the amateur detective part of it, which is, like, he's working through his own, like, issues by, like, uncovering the secrets of everyone around him, right? And, like, kind of being that... The instigator to, if not, like, reconcile them, but but to, like, bring them to the surface so that he doesn't... Maybe it's his way of not feeling alone and having, like, secrets known or... Yeah, I don't know, but it it did it definitely felt like because he was working through the secrets that his sister was keeping from him, he was also working through the secrets that people around him were keeping. Yeah, right. Um, I I think you had the benefit of me warning you that this was not going to be like a whodunit uh, type of murder mystery because I like I was very like <laughs> firm with you being like this is a slice of life novel i know that there's murder in it but don't count like don't invest yourself too much in it whereas like me i did not know i did not know that i didn't have someone warning me so were you like yelling and we get back to the investigation no no i wasn't yelling at him because because i love slice of life life stuff like that's Mm -hmm. my favorite genre and um and my favorite genre is also crime, so it like mixes well, really, really well together. But uh, when he moves into the politician's house, mm-hmm. like I honestly thought it was going to go in the direction of a ghost story. <laughs> I mean, there was some ghost story elements. Yeah, to it. yeah. I like, like I the like, character of pigtails. Yeah, right? yeah. Like the the dreams that he was having. So I really thought that it was going to go like towards a creepy route. Uh. So so I I was kind of like bracing myself for that, but. You're like, like what, did, what did I get myself into? Is yeah. this a ghost story? <laughs> Is this horror? I mean, it's such a weird, it's such a weird setup, you know, because like his sister, uh, you know, his sister like got to live there for free, mm-hmm. and the only like payment that she that she made was just mm-hmm. taking care of Haruna, which was just uh, just read to her. And uh, provide meals for her. What a mysterious, it. like dead daughter. It is. It is so like it was so creepy. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, it I, did turn out to be a ghost story. <laughs> I mean, it did in a way, but like I, I expected like way more, and I was actually mm. really surprised that he moved out in the middle of the novel. Like that, that, that story thread just like ended. Yeah, and I was like, no, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like I wanted to, like I wanted it to, like keep going towards towards the end. Um, yeah, it, it was a little abrupt. I won, I, I, because I had thought that would be like a through line through the whole story, but then it kind of like it was a break where, where he kind of resolved that thread, mm-hmm. 
and helped Haruna, the, the mother, come to a catharsis with her own like guilt with her daughter's death. Which oh, that story which, was pretty. That uh, story was like depressing mm. as like. Was it called Munchausen syndrome? Yeah, it was Munchausen system yeah. by proxy. And yeah. I'm just like, dang, like she just killed her daughter, like straight up killed her daughter. Yeah. She should feel guilty. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, there were a lot of interesting characters that he runs into, or that he talks to. Um, there's that one chapter devoted to his deaf neighbor. That was really Oh, yeah. Interesting. That was interesting. Yeah, I guess my question for you is, um, because of the like the crime setup of the story, what did you think about the resolution of that thread? Where he kind of he finally finds out, um, or he doesn't really find out exactly, but he finds like, out. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah, like you, he's you like as a reader, ninety five percent sure. Yeah, he is yeah. like ninety five percent sure, and to me that was that was enough mm-hmm. because um, by the time I got like halfway into the book, I, I realized like okay, like. The point, the point of this book isn't to find out like who killed his sister because mm-hmm. this is just more about him finding out who his sister was. Yeah, and um, and I actually really like the. I mean, it was so creepy with his relationship with Seven Stars, uh, Rio Naka, yeah. Nakajima, because um, I'm like, this is this is. I mean, she's at the age of consent, but this is also really creepy, <laughs> like really creepy, and I, um. But at the same time, it served as like a parallel storyline to um, Keiko's relationship with her math teacher when she was seventeen. Yeah, and uh, when Ren uh, pretty much like turns away from Seven Stars and says like, you know, this is just lust. This is just a biological reaction. <laughs> like I, like I don't think that this is a good idea. And he's able to. Um, make the decision to like not not damage a 17 year old girl's um Mm. um feelings in the long run you know yeah because like keiko and mr suda who is the math teacher that Mm -hmm. she had had an affair with like he pretty much strung her along for a very very long time and i think that was one of the main reasons why she left that left the house in the first place because uh, that relationship ended badly. Mm-hmm. And because of that relationship ending badly, I think Keiko kind of developed this uh, unhealthy, not obsession, but like she kept going after married men. Mm. And um, yeah, so like I really like the parallel between them. I just wish that it wasn't like <laughs> it was less icky. <laughs> it was it was less icky, but yeah. I th- I guess that was that was the point. And also, you have to like think about how um, like even Keiko was born out of wedlock yeah. um, because like Ren's father had an affair, and that and because of that, like she was resented by her mother. So a lot of yeah. like I, I feel like the, one of the messages in this book is like don't have an affair <laughs> or if you're going to have an affair like understand that there are going to be serious consequences to it there was a repeated phrase that like everyone comes home right or everyone oh yeah anybody comes around yeah right? anybody yeah. who is you know from akakawa always returns to akakawa yeah maybe that's symbolic i don't know maybe i'm pulling a straws here but of just actions have consequences and much more far-reaching than y- you intend right there's obviously a cycle of like generational trauma here right or yeah 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 Yeah, going back to like who the murderer was Mm. um it was seven stars stepmom or was it it her her, mother was it actually her biological mother? yeah her biological mother because she's the actual yeah i don't think he's had a different wife right the dad i don't i don't think so yeah I mean, like I said it's been a long time since (laughs) i finished this book yeah she's a a hand model Right. Which is why Seven Stars has these beautiful fingers that yeah. she uh, always holds a cigarette with. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I guess. And you find out that, like, you find out that not only did the wife know, the daughter knew, like everyone knew about the affair. And that Keiko herself was kind of not willing to let it go, which probably led to the fatal confrontation right like she left her stuff at their place she left the knife that ren gave her which i guess to him he felt that that was one of her most treasured things yeah right which is why it was weird it wasn't in her stuff yeah right i mean didn't uh 
seven stars mom like tie up her husband and her daughter yeah at, they tried at she, one point she tried to like group suicide i guess like, yeah mass homicide or i know she she fed them sleeping pills and then tried to like suffocate them with the car oh uh, yeah. yeah it seemed like she wasn't in um a healthy state of mind and mm. could have probably benefited from from like going to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist yeah, it, yeah. But we're also talking about 90s japan yeah that's true <laughs> i mean mental mental health in asia overall it's, it's still it's an issue. still an issue yeah um something that i noticed that was kind of amusing was clips have devoted a lot of time um to ren describing how hot his coffee was and i guess this was pre like mcdonald's lawsuit where they actually had to like turn down the temperature of the coffee oh yeah mcdonald's was referenced a lot in this book <laughs> and um i was just like were there that many McDonald's back then in the 90s? There were a ton in Taiwan already, so I'm assuming okay. there were in Japan too. Because yeah. I went to Japan like two and a half years ago, mm. and yeah, there were a lot of McDonald's. And yeah. I was just like wondering like if that if that was like historically accurate. McDonald's is pretty prolific. I mean, I had my fifth, fifth or fourth. I, I had my like fourth birthday party in a, in a, in a McDonald's in Taiwan, <laughs> and that was '88. So I'm sure they've already. Yeah, if it was in yeah. Taiwan, it was definitely in Japan by then. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I I do want to get into like because we've I think we've praised this book uh, a quite a good deal, but yeah. I do want to like dig into some of the flaws in uh-huh. it. Um, so there were a lot of red herrings in this book, but um, I kind of wish that like the major clues to his sister a sister's murder wasn't given by like strangers oh because like there's this one part when ren goes back to tokyo uh because his friend jin is getting married because mm-hmm. he got a girl pregnant and just <laughs> <laughs> pick his his best friend sought to pick a partner and then uh he like he he almost hooks up with this model named anzu mm-hmm. and uh she's the one who gives him like details about his sister and like the clinic and no she's the one that tells her about the mother oh the, the mother model. yeah the hand model sorry yeah yeah so like that she's was also... like a vital clue and yeah. i'm like this is a random stranger and it just well she wasn't because they had stolen the car together before but still like <laughs> she's one of those she, she was one of the girls that um i guess Ren never hooked up with her but he forgot yeah, like, yeah. she played an important part or maybe not even an important part because he had to recall the story. But um No, but yeah, um I just thought it was really weird that he like went all the way to Tokyo and then like he got this information and that it, it just seemed like so much of a plot point to me that it kind of turned me off. I mean, he also received he also learned that his sister was pregnant from someone slipping him some medical papers under his door. Yeah. Like unannounced, I think that was also that I also had like a maybe, deal with. I was just like, hmm, this is not really a good way this, to do it. <laughs> maybe this comes from our like our expectations going in because you were so expecting a detective story, I think, where he's like the active investigator, yeah. Whereas I was just enjoying this, like, kind of this guy going through his life trying to deal with his sister's death. Well, the thing is, like, I knew that he was going to go through his life, like, figuring out his sister's death, but like, I just wish that the clues didn't just weren't just like handed to him you know i I just i just felt like it was so passive and it like frustrated me i mean i I think that's in character though isn't it i get it but the the one time where he did figure something out and i was like pretty proud of him was the blood type well that that also like blood type that was that was actually like a really good uh like reveal i think Uh but the second one was uh he recognizes the rabbit figurine in honda's car yeah and i was just like oh that's good like <laughs> i was like that that is really good yay yeah, that was while he was burning his sister's pictures right her personal effects yeah yeah which i was like maybe i'm just sentimental but he should at least keep the pictures i don't know i mean japan marie right? kondo your life <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean he i mean he's not a detective he was trying to i mean he he made a lot of like, I, uh, 
would you call them blunders or just ill-informed decisions to like confront everyone he thought murdered his sister face to face? Yeah, because um, he made a couple of false positives. Yeah. <laughs> um, the reason why, like, I wish that the house was more like the politician's house, like, stayed until the end of the mm. story was. Um, that's when he starts getting curious, and that's when he's like starting to investigate the room that he's staying in, and like uh, investigating like the politician's wife, why she, why she like that, mm. um, and the investigation leads him to um, Haruna's sister. Uh, what, what was her name? Natsumi Katsuragi, uh, who is a hotel owner. Yeah, and she, kimono when, lady. Yeah, kimono lady, and he like goes, you know, he goes to find her, and then she tells him like her life story and her life story is pretty much like she's from a wealthy doctor family and she was expected to um marry a doctor marry a doctor doctor, but then uh her fiance died of a heart attack and she was in love with him so she decided not to like get married again and which is yada 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 yeah it's interesting because i feel like a lot of doctors actually are terrible taking care of themselves yes i feel like yes because of the stress um (laughs) But yeah, like she, like as her story unfolds, it's it's just like, oh yeah, like I was unable to take care of my sister and my sister was unable to take care of me. And mm. um, you you have that lovely parallel there. But then the story just ends like that. <laughs> that was it. His, that was, I mean, I guess he needs some dead ends in his investigation, but I just felt like well, it should have, like there should have been more to that thread. Here's where I saw that because... That conversation with the Kimono lady ended with her informing him that the daughter's medical condition was kind of non the level. Yeah. Right? Which leads him to do research at the library, which is a lost art. Going, was he going through microfiches or something or like newspapers? He was just going through newspapers. It right. wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> and basically, that arc actually ends with him kind of telling. Haruna, the mother, to like stop blaming herself, like to take responsibility, but to stop blaming herself and to live life. Yeah. Right. Which is advice that he ultimately gives himself, yeah. I guess. And to me, I thought that was a that was a nice like if this was like an episode, that would be like the end of the like the arc, right? Yeah. Which and then because I actually did enjoy the second, like the next arc, which is him in that apartment building and his, you know, his quirky neighbors, right? The um the 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 not the landlord but like the the apartment manager who, uh izumi yeah yeah izumi who is like around the same age as him yeah, who works at know, a bookshop hires him to be her boyfriend for two hours yeah that sounds sadly normal <laughs> <laughs> there's a service for that in taiwan or in china now too yeah um there's you know his deaf neighbor um who is a poet um I think those are the only two people that. Yeah, that's 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 like the only two people at his apartment. But um, another another criticism that I've heard a lot from like book reviews um, has been the dream sequences. A lot of people were very irritated by the dream sequences because they were saying that there were too many of them, Mm. and uh, they they were good in the beginning because it intrigued you. But then in midway, it would just drag on, and they were very frustrated about that. What, what did you think about them? Um, I feel like I feel like there were too many dream sequences, but they were written so beautifully that I was able to forgive forgive them. I just saw it as part of the story. Like <clears throat> it's like it's a subcon. I mean, dreams are literally literally your subconscious like working through yeah like, stuff, right? Um. I don't know, and it also like I I did enjoy like the lingering ghost story uh, with with like the pigtails, yeah, yeah. Because like once you find out who she is, you're like, oh, I mean, it's kind of out of left field and a little like oh, just so like for our listeners who have read the book, yeah, who was the girl in the pigtails? Pigtails, I guess, was a representation of his sister's basically miscarried baby, baby, yeah, because um. The politician, um, what's his first name? I mean, um, Kato, uh, Mr. Kato, found a second urn underneath uh, the floorboards of his sister's room, mm-hmm. right? So, he, like, he delivers it to him the day before he leaves. And then looking at it, he realizes that, oh, I know who picked this now. 
Because he started having those dreams with her mm-hmm. his first night at the house, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the dreams I really liked was uh, the goldfish that were, like, swimming in the air. And, <laughs> and, like, I don't know. It just, like, I pictured it and I'm like, wow, it's really beautiful. Also, like, it was early on in the book, so I wasn't, like, too annoyed by it. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, like, too annoyed by it. Um, but overall, I did like how the present would bleed into flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah, like how um, a certain word or thing that he saw in real life, like he would be reminded of his sister. And uh, um, yeah, like I don't, a lot of people were annoyed by it, but um, I didn't mind. Yeah. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it either. And yeah, like the, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at this book as a character study of something, someone working through, like, basically, like, his sister had just died. So, obviously, it's going to be on his mind the entire time, like, kind of thinking about, like, he's trying to figure out who she was, but also thinking about what she meant to him, right? Like, yeah. like you said, the, 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 the two versions of his sister that exist in this book is the, his idealized, like, sister and the sister that lived in Akigawa. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, Another criticism that I heard was a lot of people compared this book to Murakami's book. I've never read Murakami. Yeah, so that's I have see, no that's idea. the thing. You and you and I have <laughs> never read a single Murakami book, and I think that really served us well because almost every single review that I read compared her writing to Murakami, and like the less kind reviews said that she straight up like copied his style, and apparently what like is his style. Do you okay, know? so like. <laughs> So what I've what I've heard is that Murakami always has like a younger female character uh-huh. who like kind of helps an older male killer character like like figure out his life. Uh-huh. And that there are like and that his prose is also spare but very descriptive. Uh there is some kind of like magical elements to it. Mm. Um and also he like with a lot of people compared seven stars to like girls in his books younger um, and uh i mean murakami's prolific enough to have probably inspired more than just clarissa going on oh yeah yeah I'm, yeah I'm sure and i've also like heard um uh i've also like seen reviews comparing her to other asian authors um mm. i'm trying to think of them now but well, you know because we're all asian you got to compare us right that's true <laughs> Um, but like I, I really appreciated the fact that I have not read a Murakami novel, yeah. and I was able to read this book without like that blinder. <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to read a Murakami novel and say that this is kind of like Clarissa. You know, we we <laughs> should read a Murakami novel. I was actually thinking about it for this year, but um, there are so many, so th- we'll yeah. probably ask people to vote on which one. I feel we like should we should too, because he's one of those authors who like. I feel like. We need we need that cred in our in yeah. our pocket. Um, I also heard that like Murakami novels are like very uh, like sad in a way. Yeah, yeah. Like it deals with like depression and loss yeah. and trauma. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Like I mean, that's this this book was very mel- melancholic. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, everything was kind of you know in a um, sad Instagram filter. I guess <laughs> sad Instagram filter. <laughs> If if Murakami's writing is similar to uh, Clarissa's, or I guess like Clarissa's writing is similar to Murakami, mm-hmm. then I would like to read yeah. uh, a Murakami novel and see. Uh, like I, I feel like I would enjoy it if if that is what everybody's describing a Murakami book to be. I mean, literally millions of people do. So yeah, I mean, I've seen quotes like yeah. pulled from his books and memoirs. Yeah. I mean, we'll make a poll and you guys tell yeah, us. We will, please we will don't troll us and make us read the worst one. We want to read the best one. Like, wi- like <laughs> think think about like which Murakami book we should first read. Yeah. Because I feel like when when you're going into an author's work as like voluminous uh-huh. as Murakami, uh, you have to really pick pick one uh, yeah. that will help the reader like read more. Yeah. You know that's true. I, I will say that I will not read Norwegian Wood first. Like that is <laughs> that is off the list because I have heard enough things about it mm. where like I kind of want to go into a Murakami book fresh and mm. not like know anything about That's it. That's true. <laughs> Anyways, 
back on Rainbirds. The title Rainbirds actually is pretty symbolic, I guess. <laughs> um, How so? Well, I mean, there's um, I mean, it goes back to the one of the themes that we discussed, which is everyone always comes home, right? Rainbirds. Um, it doesn't get explained to the very last chapter, right? Where these blackbirds are flying overhead, and Ren asks Honda. Um, his coworker slash his sister's ex boyfriend. Um, what those birds are? It's, oh, those are rainbirds, like Australian rainbirds, and they're known for um, always coming home, mm-hmm. right? Um, and those are the same birds that his sister tried to set free on her birthday. Yeah, like a, a long time ago. A long time ago. Right? Yeah. Uh, I I have a funny story about how Clarissa got the title Rainbirds because uh-huh. I I am a lurker and I stalk people. <laughs> Um, but he, she, Clarissa wrote, um, Rainbirds during NaNoWriMo. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. I don't know what year, but, um, it took her, it took her like a year or two to finish the first draft, I think. And, um, but to like sign up for the NaNoWriMo group in, in, I think it was in Singapore. Um, yeah, I think it's Singapore. Um, she had to come up with a title, and she was like, oh, shoot, I don't have a title. And she was like in like this botanical garden at the time. And she kind of like looked where uh, her kid was just like like looking at. And there was like a little plaque that said uh, Rainbird. In Singapore? Yeah, I think it was in Singapore. Is it one of those biosphere places? I, I think so. I don't yeah. know. But like she she saw a plaque and it said Rainbird. And she's like, okay, I guess that's my title. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's my title. And I guess, I guess I'll like tie it in somehow. But at the time she thought Rainbird was like a type of plant because that's what her daughter was looking at and that's what she uh that's the plaque that Uh she saw but she later found out that it was just like the name of like the pipe that was like irrigating the plants and and she was like well i'm I'm (laughs) keeping this title because i'm attached to it i'll find a way to like okay to draw it in and i think she did a good job like tying it back in i mean i just thought it was a really funny way to come up with a title i mean it's meant to be i guess yeah oh are but, the birds real or did she make them up? no the, the birds are real okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> um I, i'm sure she had to like look it up on google uh-huh. being like uh, how do i like i mean serendipitously like it ties into like one of her central themes so yeah yeah i'm surprised that the cover is of you know like it's called rainbirds but the cover is of goldfish oh those are goldfish yeah i thought those were just weird plants like colorful tropical plants. No, they're goldfish. Okay. Uh, but I did want to talk about how Clarissa is, uh, she was born in Indonesia mm-hmm. and she grew up in Singapore. Uh-huh. They're really close to each other. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> but she, she, from my knowledge, she hasn't lived in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've read interviews with her and she said that she said it in Japan because um, um, I guess like, Japan has that like mel- melancholic feel to it. Maybe because of Murakami, probably. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but uh, she studied Japanese in in college, or or high school or college. She studied Japanese sometime in her in her educational career. Uh-huh. And um, growing up, she consumed a lot of like manga, and it really shows because this this book really reminded me of um, of like slice of life mangas uh-huh. like cat street um um i guess orange but orange is pretty recent but it's also a really good mm-hmm. melancholic melancholic uh slice of life manga if you guys are interested um yeah but i've heard complaints about how like, there were some people who said wow this really like captures japanese culture and like the Japanese like landscape really well, uh-huh. um, and then other folks were saying like it seemed very like stilted, and mm. the town Akakawa didn't really seem like a Japanese town. It just seemed like a vague, like vague town that you can even find in America. Yeah, I mean it's a very it's a made up town, right? It's a made up town. Yeah, yeah. I mean I can't I can't speak to like how authentic it is <laughs> because I'm not Japanese and I don't live in Japan, but as someone who did go to Japan a couple times, like mm-hmm. I did feel like it was like it captured like the atmosphere of it. I think it invokes like 
the imagery of like a small Japanese town. If you've been there, if, if you haven't been there. been there, you can probably imagine any town USA. Yeah. To be honest, because it's literally a small town. There's like a certain charm that small town um, Japan has. I think I get. I I think what's missing because he was there for six months is like there's a lot of festivals in Japan. I feel like. Like throughout the year, that is true. It, dep- like it depends on the it depends yeah. on the season, though. Yeah, um, you didn't get a good sense of like the traditions and heritage of Akigawa, more just like the base. Like this is a small town in Japan near Tokyo, right? It's close enough to Tokyo. To, it's like, close enough train, to Tokyo, right? but like you have to take like a bullet train, I think. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, um, it didn't bother me, and maybe that's a blind spot for me. Uh, but I think because I have been to japan and also you know watched a lot of anime watched a lot of man- <laughs> read a lot of manga played a lot of video games right um growing up that i was able to like pick up the images that she was laying down so it wasn't yeah yeah i mean uh yeah it kind of reminded me of like kyoto like just like the like the atmosphere of it because it's like I mean, I mean, obviously there are like bustling parts of kyoto but uh-huh. then like i like where we stayed was like very like like nothing was happening mm. so, so uh it did kind of remind me of that also it, it 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 yeah like i would say that you can replace akakawa with like an american town or or any kind of small town and for some reason like um even though i've been to japan like imageries of like rural like korean towns like in the countryside mm-hmm. like that came up in my mind but that's because like i've been there as well yeah and they're pretty similar in terms of like rural japanese town and rural korea town like it uh it has like the small town um charm to it but i don't see that as a bad thing i think um it makes the um makes ren's feeling of loss and grief and uh trying to um find closure i think i think those are like universal feelings like yeah. i think everybody has gone through like that kind of loss before yeah i think if she was trying to make more claims on like japanese culture it would be a little bit more problematic maybe but i don't think that was what she was trying to do and it helps right. that this is like a made-up town yeah like if she picked an actual japanese town then yeah. i would probably have issues with it because it's <laughs> like oh I'll, I'll like look it up and you know, there will be inaccuracies in it. Yeah. Um, another thing that I thought was kind of weird was uh, Ren's job at the cram school. What was weird about it? <laughs> I mean, he took like extended leaves, and I was just like, "Man, you're you're a teacher. You're like a cram cram school teacher. There's no way they're gonna let you like." take a day off like, I guess. Randomly like that but that's just like a small thing i mean it's not <laughs> that's just that's a little picky i think I, yeah i mean i let i let it go it's just like it's you, fine you can just call it's him fine. sick i mean i guess he wouldn't get vacation days but he can get something to cover for him i guess and I guess. give him a shift or something i don't know uh. um i did like i mean that was something that <laughs> i did like that he was a cram school teacher um, have you ever been to cram school? No, but I have. I, I've been to, uh, I've been around when cram school lets out in like 9 p.m. <laughs> Did you go to one here or back in Korea? Um, I mean, considering that I haven't lived in Korea since I was three. Mm. Um, but yeah, I went to cram schools here yeah. in America and they were run by Koreans and my God, <laughs> like, I mean, the whole thing is about like, because Japan has a uh, an Asian education system, which means you have to test into everywhere. Yeah, what high school you go to, what college you go to. So, being able to get the best tests scores is the most important, and you get the best test scores by studying twelve hours a day after school. Yeah, yeah, because the competition is really, really high. Yeah, I was pretty bad at cram school because I'm just not really good at studying. <laughs> I'm not good at studying things that i'm not interested in i'm really bad i'm really really bad at standardized tests uh-huh. the only reason why like my sat scores were like somewhat decent was because i like nailed the essay portion of it <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay like yeah. i can do well in 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 tests where like i can make up an answer and make it sound okay yeah i guess that would be the difference like it, he wouldn't have been a cram school teacher in the states Unless he went to, I guess he could have come to like 
an Asian part of yeah. LA where they have Kumans and cram schools. Um, yeah, like yeah. I feel, I feel like that part is is accurate. Like Asia is like very much into after school school, <laughs> and they discuss it too, right? Like, uh, like you you have good scores, you get to a good college. Like that's the point, right? Um, there was that one part where um, Seven Stars is trying to ask him what she should put down for her career. Right, the mm-hmm. teacher's asking her for a career, and she's, he was like, "Just put what you think they want to hear." Yeah. No, it's a, it's either like him being a cram school teacher or like a private tutor. Yeah. So something that I did enjoy um, was how all the flashbacks um, kind of folded in on themselves. Like the flashback about him being a pizza delivery guy, how that led to him helping a girl steal a Honda for a while. Oh, my God. Yeah, that story was awesome. <laughs> How that girl later turned out to be Anzu, Anzu. The, the girl he picked up uh, with his friend Jin, and that he was he delivered pizzas that day on his birthday because he had just broken up with his girlfriend for cheating on her with the glasses girl, like his class rep, whom Inzumi, his like landlady, reminds him of. Like there's a whole like all the all the flashbacks kind of just cascaded yeah. with each other. Okay, yeah, like with him being like a player, like I, I did <laughs> I did have issues with that because I'm like. What what is it about him that girls are like so into him? He's good looking. Didn't you read the description? <laughs> yeah, good look. Yeah, but like good looks isn't everything though. Like I feel like he lacks. Like he seems so dry. He's in, a little aloof, right? He seems so dry in his humor, and I love dry humor. But like a lot, but that turns off a lot of people. So I just kind of felt it was really weird that he was able to score all these girls, and it. Well, it sounded like the class rep was just using him. For sex i guess yeah yeah but he used her to break up with his girlfriend i don't know he seems he seemed kind of like a protagonist in like a harem ma- manga with all these girls like falling falling for him i guess i i, mean, I will say that clarissa uh as like a female writer she kind of nailed the um the unlikable male player guy who has no no regard for women i feel like like i would have been really st- I, I would have believed it if it was written by like a male author. <laughs> like Um I guess um that brings me to my last question about this book is okay. what what do you think happens at the end when he calls Nye finally? Because he's been putting off calling his girlfriend that he's been using to like distance himself from seven stars yeah. the entire story. I mean it doesn't it doesn't help that he like cheated on her multiple times throughout this book. I yeah. mean come on. And also like he doesn't tell Nay or Jin mm-hmm. about his sister dying. Yeah, like, like you, he just expects his uh, girlfriend to wait him wait for him like for six months. Yeah, without like a call. Like no, like I'm sure that relationship like fell through. There's there's no <laughs> <laughs> there's no way a girl would wait that long. But isn't the character growth that he finally picks up the phone to talk to instead of like just letting it being passive? I oh, don't know. Oh, whatever. Like start <laughs> start over with somebody else. I feel like I feel like if I was in that situation, I would I would not let it slide. It's true. I mean, I guess he could pull the pull the. My sister died, and I've been like depressed for the past six months, and it's like okay, yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I feel sorry for you, but also like it's been six months. It's been six months, and you expect me to marry you? Like. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> yeah. I was just curious what your thoughts on that. <laughs> and well, on that note. Well, those are my thoughts. <laughs> on that note, that's that'll do it for a discussion of Rainbird by Clarissa going on. Um, hope you enjoy listening to our thoughts. And if you have thoughts of your own, please sound off on our Goodreads forum. Oh, we do have thoughts on Goodreads. People, oh. people left comments. Uh... Oh, yeah, we had uh, Lauren Lola. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for listening. Um, she finished reading it and did a full review. Um, she will say, uh, she pretty much parroted our thing. If you like Haruki Murakami's works, but without all the loose ends after the fact, then there's a good chance you'll like this debut work. Another Haruki Murakami <laughs> yeah. reference, yeah. And um, the other is from you. 
Yeah, the other is from <laughs> me because I felt like I, I should say something. Yeah. Uh, if you have thoughts to add to that, please sound off on our Goodreads forums. Um, you can find you can join our Goodreads group by going to goodreads.com and searching books and boba. Uh, don't forget to introduce yourself to the group in our introduction thread. Um, we always love to meet new members. Uh, and we're looking forward to your thoughts on Rainbirds. Our February book club pick, um, we've announced for a while. It's kind of technically the January slash February book club pick, but it's Grace of Canes by Ken Liu. Uh, it's a long book, so hopefully you're at least about halfway through by now. But if not, it is actually, to me, I feel like it's a pretty like fast read, even though it's long. The pacing is pretty good. That's really funny because I'm, um, I've am i been listening to it on audiobook, uh-huh. and I got, I got maybe to like the sixth chapter, uh-huh. and <laughs> I was just like, I need to stop listening to the audiobook and like actually just read it on my own because uh-huh. because like I feel like the pacing was too slow for me. Mm. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's just like someone reading to like because someone is reading to me, it just feels like really slow. See, when I listen to audiobooks, I put it up to one point five speed. No, I did. I totally <laughs> did. But but it just um, there was a lot of descriptions and it yeah. just like it, it I just felt like so bogged down by it. It's very like that classic epic fantasy where it's a lot of descriptions, a lot of it's a lot of like explaining systems and how this world works and you know Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of characters. Yeah. Like a lot of characters. And I'm wondering like if I will remember all of them. There's a like there's a there's a character guy in the front you can flip back to. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it because um I do recognize that I, I really enjoyed the story, but I do recognize there's some things that he could have done better. Um, that kind of get addressed in the second book in some ways. Oh yeah, because yeah. you read the second book, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm hoping that I just like plow through Grace of Kings <laughs> because I don't have much time to finish it because February is a shorter month. Once it gets going, it moves pretty yeah. quickly. I mean, it still it'll still take a while to read because it's a long book, but I think it won't feel like a slog. Okay. At least to me, it didn't. I don't know about you. So I just I just have to buckle down and just like read it all in one go because i feel like it's one of those books where you can't just put it down after like after like reading like maybe two or three chapters like feel like you just have to sit there and read like half the book in one sitting and then read the other half in another sitting it's also one of those like kind of classic not classic but like epic fantasies where like there are multiple like eras and wars taking place in the story so there is a breaking point in the middle where you can like kind of yeah, yeah, probably. Regroup a little bit, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, I love, uh, like, epic period pieces. Like, mm-hmm. I love, like, I love those types of dramas. <laughs> but when it comes to, like, reading them, I have a really hard time. Like, <laughs> I have a really hard time focusing. But I will give it a try. Yeah. I will I, I will take notes. <laughs> and I will be prepared. Right. Well, good luck to you and your time. <laughs> good luck to everyone who is also reading this really long book. <laughs> And we'll discuss that at the end of this month for our February Books and Boba discussion. Uh, uh, I think we're going to try to record a news episode maybe sometime. Yeah, maybe sometime soon. Yeah. I don't know. Um, just go through the, the latest uh, book deals. Uh, I don't know how much action there's been, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And yeah, don't forget if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you're, you listen to your podcasts uh you can leave us a nice rating review on on itunes um that'll help us uh uh if you can please leave us a nice rating and review on itunes and let us know how you feel about the podcast join our goodreads group and participate in our discussions and let us know what's going on um also if you like us please tell us because yeah i like i like reading like compliments we live on props we do we need props i mean this this is something that we do not get paid for, <laughs> so we live on props. Yeah, yet, well, yet, we're, you know, yet. Audible, get us. Um, wanted to thank the Potluck Podcast Collective um, for having us as part of their group. The Potluck Podcast Collective is a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring uh, amazing podcasts such as the Call Us Bruce, the Clubcast, um, First of All, Saturday School, and more. Uh, you can find more. You can find all of our. You can find all of our fellow Potluck podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Uh, special thanks also to Visual Communications. Um, this podcast was recorded at the Potluck Podcast Studio, located within the Visual Communications offices in downtown LA's Little Tokyo. 
Visual Communication Supports is an amazing organization that supports Asian American filmmakers and media uh, through a program such as the Earned the Camera Fellowship and the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, which is taking place this May. So check out all of the great programs by going to the website vcmedia.org. And on that note, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, We've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.